0: Welcome to Community of Hope Podcast. We pray that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Hey, uh, welcome everybody. Welcome to Community of Hope. You get pastor on camera today. Uh, And the reason is, is Gretchen and I went on vacation and we went to Florida. We went to the place where we normally go. And the governor has asked those who have been to Florida to quarantine. And it just seems right to honor our governor and to keep everybody healthy and safe, even though I don't have a temperature today and I'm feeling good. You'll see me back in the pocket next week. But for this week, we're gonna do something different. If you're online, you don't notice any difference. But if you're here, welcome. Uh, I'm gonna preach the recorded message that I'm recording uh, earlier today, earlier on Saturday I should say. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open my lips and all our hearts to this truth that you have given to us in your word. And for that I'll say thank you Jesus. Amen. So You've heard everybody talk about the new normal, you know, the new normal. And we get this blown up picture of the virus that I am so sick of seeing. Everything looks scary when it's blown up. And we talk about having this new normal because this thing from outside that wasn't there before has come into our world, into our culture, into some of our bodies and has changed things. And I couldn't help but think that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have been infected with the Holy Spirit. You've been infected with the gospel, and the gospel has moved you to a new normal. The things that were true about you before you knew the Lord are different now. And the section of scripture that I'm going to be looking at is almost a checklist for the new normal, for the things that are uh, different in your life and my life that aren't the same. So uh, this parable, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, there are three parables in there. And one podcast I listen to calls these parables crisis of decision parables. And as I go through them, you might actually feel a crisis of decision in your life. And I want you to ask yourself, is this normal for me now as a believer in Jesus? You know, when we were on vacation there, I know some of you may uh, track the weather, there was a hurricane coming up the coast. Now, it was a Category 1 hurricane, and frankly, Gretchen and I were a little apprehensive, but also a little excited to be in a condominium on the beach during a hurricane, a Category 1. And, you know, it was interesting because the liquor store boarded up in preparation for it. You know, you drive by and, and uh, the, the news was out on the beach. We took this from our balcony. You could see the news people out on the beach with their raincoats just talking about it. And although it kind of skipped Florida coast uh, and, it, and it stayed off the coast... It was something that caused a crisis of decision for the people. For those who have lived through the hurricanes, the places closed, the restaurants, the, the business is closed because the hurricane might be coming through. And, and I pray that as we go through this chapter, you'll look at your life, and it'll bring you to three crises of decisions as you ask yourself, Is this normal for me in the Christian life? Well, the scripture begins this way. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. So here's Jesus. He's telling us what the kingdom will be like. He says you've got ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, I have to pause for a second and say... At that time, if you were a bridesmaid, your job was to go to the, to wait with your lamps ready, with your lights, and when the bridegroom comes, you're going to meet him, and you're going to take him to his bride, and I believe that many times the whole family then went to the groom's house, and they celebrated the wedding. And so here you have Jesus saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like bridegrooms with their lamps, I'm sorry, bridesmaids with their lamps waiting to meet the bridegroom. And he says there's ten of them. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some oil, our lamps are out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were... Uh, way to buy the oil the bridegroom arrived and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut later the others came sir sir they said open the door for us but he replied i tell you the truth i do not know you therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour you know, it's interesting, I remember uh, preachers and pastors and, and even having this thought, you know, I need to be watching for Jesus' return every minute. What if God comes back and I'm binging Netflix? Like, will I not be ready? Will I not have the, uh, the lamp ready to go because I'm watching Netflix And yet, I think this is so much deeper than that. I think the parable really turns on this phrase I don't know you. I don't know you. You know, you have in that time period this picture of lamps. And Jesus says, You've got, everybody has a lamp. Well, what do the lamps stand for? What does the oil stand for? Uh, the commentators say, and I agree with them, that the lamps are really our, our religiousness, almost our, our outside containers. I mean, you come to church and you see people sitting here, and 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 in a sense, it's like our our religious duty, or even our bodies. You know, they're like they're like the lamps. We can't see what's on the inside of the lamps. And the foolish people weren't concerned about the inside. They were only concerned about the outside. Now, the inside of the lamp could be compared to the Holy Spirit. The oil is the Holy Spirit. It's the life. It's the life of faith and works. It's it's the grace. And, And I think what Jesus is saying is it's so important when I am gone and you're waiting for me to be concerned about what's on the inside more than what's on the outside. You know, in Timothy, Paul writes and he says, there are people who have a form of godliness but deny its power. It's like there's something that looks good on the outside, but inside it's different. You see, I believe the new normal, that when the Holy Spirit infects our lives, he puts within us a hunger to know him. Paul said, I I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. And he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share in his suffering and become like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The new normal it's a desire to know Jesus more and more and more. You know, I get it. Many of us, we come to church or we have an experience with God, we're born again, and, and that happened years ago. And I think it's easy for us to let that relationship with God almost be secondary. Like we keep it Him in our pocket, but we start living our lives more selfless, selfishly and the question I want to ask you is is do you treat your relationship with Christ like a growing marriage I like to listen to podcasts I listened to a podcast while on vacation and uh, this guy was interviewed and he had just written a book called Journey North he and his wife are backpackers they're older now and uh, they're in their 60s I believe they have walked the Pacific Crest Trail 2,600 miles or something together and he wrote a book about it and in the interview he talked about what happened 10 years into their marriage he says 10 years into my marriage my wife came to me and said I'm done I've got somebody else in my life I'm done I'm leaving and they talked about how difficult that time was and and yet three years later they got back together And he says, all good marriages have gone through heck. And he goes, we've gone through heck, but we love each other even more. And so the interviewer asked him a question. He says, what's the secret to a long and happy marriage? Now, on the Appalachian Trail or on other trails, everybody gets a trail name. Not exactly sure why, but he's called Scout. And so Scout, the man said, you know, don't let a day go by that you don't do something to work on your marriage. And his wife is called Frodo, and she said, let your partner know how much you cherish them. Never take each other for granted. Never assume things. And I thought, waiting for Jesus is a lot like this. It's every day getting to know him a little bit more, putting the effort into that relationship with Christ. Every day, not taking this grace that has been poured out on my life, the gospel, for granted, but cherishing and working on it is waiting. And, and keep watch, he said. Keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. And then he, he says, you know, some have actually fallen. Uh, they, they got slumbered and they, they fell asleep. And you know what I think this is? I think it's many people will die and they'll hear the call of Christ and they'll be awoken from their sleep and some will have this vital life inside of them and some won't. So today in this one area of your life, what's normal for you? Do you have a desire, a burning desire, a driving desire to know Jesus? Are you somebody who has kept him in your pocket? Or are you actually saying, today I want to cherish my relationship with him a little bit more. I want to see him in his word. I want to, I want to get to know him. Norm Wright said this. He said, if you want to know God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. Go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama which has him as a central character. The first normal is a passion and a desire to know him. Now, what's the next normal? Well, he goes into another parable, another parable of crisis. And he says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who's called his servants and has trusted them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to the other two, to the other one, and each according to his ability. And then he went away. And he who received the five talents at once uh, traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. I love this line. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid my, your talents in the ground. Here, have what's yours. But the master answered him, Wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming you should have received what was my, my own with interest. So... Take the talents from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given. And he will, uh, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will, not, will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness, into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, you read that and you're like, yes, that's a parable that, It's hard to hear, isn't it? But you know, when I I read it, I I see that that the picture, the understanding of God that is given to the servants affects how they live their whole life. You've got servants who God comes and gives them a gift. And, And when I see this, I think the servants of God, the new normal is that all of my life comes as a gift Uh, my my talents my family of origin my skills my personality my knowledge my job my my money my friends my education my salvation comes as a gift you know many times we we say oh you're saved by grace through faith and that comes as a gift but do you know everything else I have comes as a gift in America we like to say you know what I can do what I want with my own time I can can give to charity how I want to give because it's my money. And yet, biblically, all I have is God's. All you have is God's. Like everything we own is a gift. And when I have that new normal mindset that everything I have is a gift, it makes me more generous. It it, it makes me um, see that salvation is a gift. My life is a gift, my time is a gift, my money. I'm just a manager here. And when I see myself not as, that's mine, but it's God's and he's entrusted it to me, it it totally changes my mindset. See, the new normal for Christians is that all I have, I mean, even my breath itself comes as a gift from God. And when you are that way, and you know, oh God, you've given me everything, and and he's so generous, you become generous too. And you see your life as something that you steward, that you manage for the sake of the kingdom, not for the sake of building yourself up. I've heard it said that a a righteous man depletes his resources, or a righteous woman depletes her, her resources for the sake of The community. And an unrighteous man depletes the community, and an unrighteous woman depletes the community for the the sake of themselves. So you and I, our our picture of God totally affects how we live. And, And in this parable, you know, he says, each of us are given to our own ability. You know, if I was on the basketball court with LeBron James, now I was a wrestler, so I, I have a hard time putting that orange thing through anything. But uh, you would expect less of me than you would of LeBron. And it's the same in the kingdom. Some people have so, you know, many more natural gifts and talents. I mean, where they were born, uh, or born into wealth, or born into places. Like, like God says, hey, the more you have to manage, the more is expected of you. And the less you have to manage, the less is expected. We're all expected to be faithful, but the return is going to be different. Now it's interesting because this last guy, um, he he describes Jesus in a, a certain way, and this is how God responds to him. He says, "For everyone who has more will be given, and and the one who has an uh, and the and he will have an abundance, but." To the one who has not even that will be taken away. You see there's accountability here in the kingdom. The new life knows that we're going to be accountable, and yet how we see God affects everything about us. Did you, you know the guy the first guy he's going away and investing, he sees God as somebody who has invested in him. And he's going to go and use his stuff for the kingdom. The last guy, he sees God as a, as a miser. He's like, I, af- I was afraid of you and I hid my talents. He, he lies and says, you reap where you did not sow. Well, the interesting thing is, God doesn't keep any of the money. He gives it all back to the people who have been faithful. He's not reaping anything. He's just giving it back out to the people. But the, the last guy He's got a skewed picture of God. And the new normal for us is to get a right understanding of who God is. Seeing Him as someone who's generous, who gives graciously to us so that we can give graciously to others. That's the new normal. How do you do on that scale? How is your life on that scale of normal? Does your image of God bring you to a decision to say, Lord, I've been seeing my life as all about me, but you gave up everything for me. Help me to be someone who has a new normal understanding, who's been infected by your gospel so much, I just steward everything I have. Well the last parable is a really famous parable and this is called the parable of the sheep and the goats and it says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Let me just pause there. God had you in mind, if you're a believer in him, from the foundation of the world. He's prepared a kingdom like he knows you by name. And he says to the people, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. Actually, the word for naked could also be translated poorly clothed. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? You know what the new normal is for Christians? Here's the word of the day, social justice. Jesus, Jesus is saying to the people, you aren't saved because you did these things. But when your life is infected by the gospel... You care about the people I care about. You know, I got this from uh, Tim Keller, and and he he talks about, when he talks about social justice, that the gods of the pagans always identified with the rich and the famous and the kings. They were the gods of the strong. They were the gods of the wealthy. They were the, the gods of the known. And yet our God, when he describes himself to his people, look how he describes himself. Psalm 68, 5, I'm the father to the fatherless, the protector of widows. God is in his holy habitation. Psalm 146, 9, the Lord watches over the foreigners. You know, the word can be translated aliens and and sustains the, the fatherless and the widows. And he frustrates the way of the wicked. See, God in the Old Testament and the New Testament doesn't identify with the rich and the famous. He identifies with the the naked and the hungry and the in prison. And when you and I have been infected with the gospel, we, we care about the people that God cares about. James says pure religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans, right? Like, like we care, we identify as God identifies. Our hearts get moved with the things that moves God's heart. These people, they don't know that they're serving Jesus. All they know is that, wow, there's, there are people in need and, and I'm going to help them. So he says to the sheep, you're blessed And then he looks at the goats and he says to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Because I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a stranger naked or sick and in prison and didn't minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. So the third new normal is who do you love? Who do you care about? How, uh, is there fruit in your life? If you were in court, could you be convicted for caring for the list on the screen? The hungry, the thirsty, the naked. Would, like, would, would my checkbook or my, my time, my prayers, my concern, would it, would it even include people on this list? This is normal. This is the new normal for Christians. You know, as I was thinking about how to end the message, I always like to end with something that moves my heart. And I'm moved by a, a friend of mine who many of you know, Jerry Mitchell, who, uh, Jerry, come on up, who was, was uh, moved by God to start a ministry to people who are on this list. And I thought I'd just end the message with him telling us about what he's doing, and maybe there's a way for you guys to get involved in it. So Jerry, welcome.
1: Thanks, Thanks Pastor Doug. Um, it's always a pleasure to uh, listen to you preach. Uh, you you uh, preach as you talk. It's just from your heart, and it's real. Um, I, uh, I went through a crisis of decision uh, a number of years ago. Um, I was uh, pursuing wealth, and... Uh, a good position. Uh, I want to be one of those guys that give um, uh, to ministries. And the Lord kind of had a different idea of what He wanted me to do. In my crisis of decision, I realized, Lord, uh, how do you want me to end the rest of my life? How do you want me to, to live this, uh, this journey out? And in that crisis of my decision, uh, I looked back in my life. Uh, I came from a broken home. Um, my dad left my mom, he was in jail for, for a season. Uh, I looked at my wife. Amy and our kids, and uh, two of my favorite things in life, besides my Lord Jesus, is being a husband and a dad. And I look at our culture. It's not gotten any better uh, since then. And I I said, um, man, these these kids don't have any dads, so many of them. uh, uh, Six out of ten kids in Cuyahoga County, six out of ten don't go home to a dad. Um, And God has designed a mom and a dad to to shoot out a child like an arrow into the world. And particularly he has a hands on dads to to help bring security and hope and love and and the gospel to to their their kids. And that wasn't happening. And so in my crisis of decision, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Uh, And so he led me to start Joshua and Caleb Leadership Center. Uh, it's a place and a process to develop unfathered, at-risk kids into global-minded leaders of God's design. And so as, as I was doing that, we, we get, how do we get people involved with that? How do we help? So there's three types of what we call investment partners. Um, uh, and the first one is people. Uh, we are trying, it's basically a, a quick uh, overview of the focus of it, is a one-on-one mentoring, a discipleship model, where, where a Christian adult would invest in an unfathered, at-risk kid. Um, and the 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 commitment is 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 real but the time commitment is very small because you realize that if if it was a big commitment no one would do it Uh, we uh, really care about these kids and we realize that the key to, to them changing is someone investing in them I think if you all looked at uh, how you came to the gospel, how you uh, were changed in your life. You realized someone invested in you, and that's what we're doing with these kids. Number two is by prayer. Uh, we're, we're beginning to pray, and we're, we have a prayer team. And that's a great way to get involved is say, hey, I want to pray for these kids. Uh, and um, and we have provision partners, monthly giving. As a matter of fact, one of our things right now we're doing is we're creating these hygiene uh, bags uh, for girls and for boys uh, to to help them. Um, uh, we understand how to use certain products that maybe they're they're not normally used to using
0: so you minister to a lot of immigrants right we we have a as the bible would say aliens uh, aliens yeah yeah. Yeah. Uh, a
1: lot of uh, refugees a lot of them are are from central africa and they come in with different understandings of hygiene they come in with many different understandings Uh, many of them have been in refugee camps uh, where there are not things like deodorant and showers and soap and uh, even uh, even products for, for young ladies and so uh, we're trying to invest to help them understand it. In this culture, it doesn't make you less of a person because you didn't use those things. But in this culture, there's great value in them. So we're, right. we're not only helping them have, have uh, the understanding of Christ for eternity, but also how to live in this, in this life.
0: So uh, I hear two things. One way to get involved, real simply, is to invest in purchasing some stuff to That's make those real packets. Easy Where's the do. list of that? Uh, uh,
1: we can go online. We have a website, www. Oh, it's right, right up there. Yeah, but I don't see the name of it's it, it. It's not. Uh, it's joshuacalebleaders.org.
0: joshuacalebleaders.org. And then there's a list of products somewhere on there that they could uh, yeah. purchase and yeah. get to you guys. And um, okay, yeah. and probably they could email or call you or something. That would that's, that's, be right. perfect. On the website as well. And then the other way, they could become a mentor? That and There's
1: different uh, levels, if you will, of time commitment. Uh, one is a mentor, and that's really... and uh, we actually, actually, on August 25th, Seven o'clock. We're doing a virtual uh, uh, kind of a, a info session. So, if, if, if to, without going into too much detail today, um, uh, people could go online August twenty-fifth at seven o'clock, and our website would share that as well.
0: So, this past week, I told uh, JoJo that I'm going to interview you, yeah. so that people can hear about the ministry. And she said, "You know, uh, she's involved in it, and Bryce and other people from the congregation are involved they're, they're in fantastic. this. Fantastic." And. Uh, <laughs> Jojo said, when I pick up, do you call them mentees? What do you call them? Uh, apprentice. apprentice. Uh, if you think of an apprentice, think okay. of someone who's learning growing. Okay. Uh, we're trying to apprentice so when, these young people. So kids. when she picks up the young lady or goes to meet with her, yeah. the, her brothers and sisters say, I want a mentor too. They sure do. I, I, I want a mentor. And Jojo says, you need to pray that God will bring up more mentors. My heart is like getting yeah. ripped out. Yeah. And, and Part of my motivation for bringing you here is there's people who would love to have a mentor. Yeah. And, yeah they, and they're not there. So you're starting this. You're kind of in the middle of it. You're walking by faith. You're raising yes, money yes, and you're and ministering yes. into the city. Do you have any, like, d- d- like? can you tell me about a situation or something that um, you've seen God at work in the life of?
1: You know, it's connected to this new normal um, Sometimes, if you've been in the Christian faith for quite some time, you will uh, assume certain things, take things for granted. Uh, um, uh, in those new normals, it's so easy to drift. Whenever you drift, we drift away from God, and I find myself always fighting that. Uh, if you get into a river, get in an inner tube, and just let yourself go, you'll drift wherever it takes you, and God wants us to be intentional. So, so this intentionality is so important, and so, we're, and as we're intentionally investing in these kids, helping them to see... Um, about God, that we, we can't assume they know anything um, because they don't have some of the riches we've had, many of us have had, uh, of, of growing up or understanding. So, uh, one young man named Michael, uh, we were, I was out um, sharing, uh, we were in one of our team sessions, uh, we call them team talks, and I was kind of assessing where the kids were. So, we did this little simple survey what is Christmas? You know, the birth of Jesus. Uh, what is Easter? You know, the, and so we were on this on this uh, questionnaire, and and um, we're all the boy. I'm working with just the boys now, and and the, one of the questions was, "What is Good Friday?" Um, and for us uh, who understand uh, the Christian faith, well, it's of course uh, it's the day our Lord Jesus gave His life. Um, and for this young man, he said, um, "That's the day." Uh, my dad uh, got out of jail. Um, and so um, I wasn't emotional till right now. I, I got, I, that, kind of reflecting stories, it, it happens. Um, and I looked at him, I said, you're right,
0: Michael. Um, that was a good Friday. Amen. Hey, Jerry, I just want to uh, close in prayer yeah. and direct people to your webpage. And uh, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Good Friday, you said, Jesus, it is finished, paid in full. We get out of jail too. We get set free. And Lord, we look at the new normals and it's so easy to see that we fall short in so many areas. And I pray that you would re-energize, refocus, redirect us that you would um, bring more people into the ministry that Jerry's doing and and other opportunities that you lay before us daily, Lord. Compassionate International Kids, I mean, there's just many ways. So, Lord, lead us in paths that are right for your name's sake, that our lives would matter in time for eternity. Jesus, we ask this in your name. And all God's people who agree with this prayer said, amen. 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 Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.